The PhD is an adventure, an odyssey into knowledge for which you must prepare. If you want tips, news, and a little humor about the PhD and about career readiness, that's what I bring you every month here on PhD Dojo. News, tips, grad school stories, listener questions. Here you'll find everything to be a black belt at the PhD and beyond. Welcome to the dojo. Hi, God. How are you? I'm very fine. And you? Doing well, doing well. Happy to re-start uh, or uh, re- Reload. <laughs> Reload the dojo. Happy to be here today. Happy to be, uh, again, to have you representing the second lab and uh, and repre representing uh, someone, well, an organization that has been helping uh, master students, PhDs, and postdocs in uh, career readiness, which is very, it's a mission that's very close to my heart. Uh, and um, yeah, super happy to have you here again to talk about this difficult, sometimes difficult question of should I, now that I have my PhD, go for a postdoc? Yeah, difficult question. So uh, just, uh, just to give a disclaimer, um, I did a PhD and I did two postdocs. So one uh, in in Ontario and another one in uh, in Montreal. So it was at Queen's uh, University in Kingston for two years, and then uh, I did an industri industrial postdoc for two years at McGill University. So yeah, I, I have a little bit of experience of postdocs. I have tons of stories, which I don't. Which I don't. I stopped at the PhD. So 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 from from somebody. Who do, didn't do a postdoc? What's what's your what's your point of view about well, it? Like the 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 questions that I have, uh, and that I think people who are maybe finishing their PhD want to know is what does the what's the objective? What purpose does a postdoc serve? Is it um, an objective in itself? Is it a stepping stone for something else? Is it the natural? follow-up of a phd is it an obligation uh if you want to become a, a researcher be it in industry or not it's i, ha I have all the questions <laughs> okay 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 so let, let's let's uh let's going step by step so first of all i would like to give you some results so we were we were in the same conference david and i and And we had some results about this this question. Uh, so the, the first the first question is: If I'm doing a PhD, what what how much people finish as a professor? Okay, so the the answer is pretty vague, but uh, let's say it's 15 Any any kind of fields. So in engineering, it's, it's I don't remember, but uh, for all the fields, it's around 15. 15%. And actually, there's more and more PhDs. Uh, it's increasing. I don't remember the number. I think in Canada, it's plus 3% per year. And the number of assistant professors decrease. And I think the number, it's, it's, it's 2% per year decrease. So finally, the number of 15% in, in two years would not be true. It will decrease. It will decrease yeah. 
And, and uh, the numbers I have for the numbers of PhDs in Canada graduating per year, I think these last few years, it's around 8,000. Uh, but like you said, that number is increasing. Yeah, it's increasing. It's increasing because um, we give, I mean, the governments give more money for PhDs, but more in terms of not increase the salary or increase the stipends of the PhD, but increase the number of, the, of stipends. Uh, there's more and more money for that. It's because I think I'm not sure about it. We should ask to the governments, uh, but um, I think it's because the the um, OCDE uh, the the numbers one of the indicator uh, for uh, growth of innovation, growth of, of research, and wealth wealthness is the number of PhDs. And the more PhD you have, the better it is for a country. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's an indicator. So it's the OECD. It's an indicator of the of the success of the financial. I I think I think it's 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 kind of it's kind of of indicator. So PhDs are the people who innovate. It's it's pretty obvious, I think. Uh, so this is an indicator. So the more PhD you have, the better it is. And so governments are saying, okay, we are going to give more, uh, create more PhD, uh, more stipends for PhDs. So, so that makes sense if you give these PhDs a, you know, a career path that be, that is beneficial for society. So you will answer to your question if you do that. Uh, those professors' positions are beneficial for the society, of course. But all these PhDs will not be professors. So what are the things they can do? Postdocs. It's, it's, it's part of the answers. But yeah, another number that I would like to talk to you is in Canada, and specifically in Canada, the 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 system is made that you can be a postdoc for five years. And so after your PhD, you can be a postdoc for five years. And after five years of your PhD, you're not eligible to be a postdoc. So you you can be an employee of the university if you want to continue at the university or leave. Mm -hmm. So what so you can become a research assistant or uh, all sorts exactly. of things around. Okay. If, if if your professor or your department or somebody at the university have the money for paying you, they will. Um, so it means that in terms of stats, and it means that I think, and we saw the same results, so maybe you can confirm, 50% of the PhDs in Canada have a temporary job after five years of their, of their graduation. And I think two thirds of them are postdocs. So it means that, and then it decreased drastically, and and it, it's because of this reason that you're not eligible to be to be a postdoc after five years. Five years. Yeah. So a little bit of stats context. Um, I think it's not a question of opening position of postdocs. I think it's 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 a question of the people, most of the people follow the 
university career path, which is after a PhD, I will do a postdocs. And after five years of postdoc, I'm not eligible. So I will move from the university. Can we do that earlier? So that, that's yeah, I remember in the, yeah. in the, that conference that you, that you uh, mentioned that we were both at, that they had this statistic and they were still working on the numbers. But uh, that uh, um, the further you went uh, after the PhD, and tell me if you remember these numbers, the, so the, the earliest you would uh, leave the academic path for another job, the more satisfied you were uh, at your career. There was, there, was some, there was something around that. And, and five years is long to be in this kind of, I wouldn't say, is it, it's, it's long. It's a second PhD, yeah. it, honestly. And it, it, would you say that the postdoc is a precarious uh, professional situation? And, and do you have numbers on how much does a postdoc do compared to a PhD? So what what is this, what is a postdoc in Canada? Postdoc is what is a postdoc in Canada? So, and especially in Quebec, we're living in Quebec, uh, you and me, so we can talk about the Quebec situation. So, in Canada, a postdoc is a, is an employee of the university or an employee of a pro, of of who can be paid by a grant or by the professor itself or by the university. So it's an employee. It means that you pay you are paid with a salary, not a stipend anymore. Because And the difference is the stipend, you don't pay taxes. And the salary, you pay taxes. So, and I checked right before the, the conversation, uh, what is the average salary of postdocs? It's between fifty dollars and $55,000 uh, per year. You remove the taxes and you pay Canadian. Yeah, Canadian dollars. Um, if you remove the taxes, and it's specifically in Canada, uh, I I don't know the U.S. situation, but should be similar. Uh, but I think in postdocs in the U.S., you 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 pay a tuition at the university. I don't, I'm I'm not sure about it. And in in France, because we, I know that you have a lot of listeners in France, um, in France it's another situation as well. So. In Canada, yeah, it's between fifty and fifty-five. Um, Minus taxes, how much do they what, keep? Yeah, it's thirty-five thousand. So, so it's <laughs> with the inflation that we're living this today. And the cost, the cost of housing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, it's a very low salary. Um, for it's a very low salary for somebody who have this level of of education and skills. So, so I know more or less why we call them sometimes interns because they are very low paid. Uh, it's it's another another discussion, but this is the pay. Then what what do you, what do you have else in the contract? So it's thirty five hours, 40, 40 hours per week. We know that um, people stay longer in the lab. It's long hours, <laughs> and they can work. Way more, especially if they would like to to be a professor at some point. Uh, they, they, it's, it's a very uh, it's a very demanding job. Very, you have a lot of pressure. Uh, like all the professor will tell you, uh, um, my, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm evaluated on my publication, so you have to publish a lot. 
So we expect you publish a lot. Other thing is, from my um, experience of postdocs, uh, my experience of postdocs was, so my last postdocs was around four years ago. So I don't know what's going on now, but I, what I know, I don't think it moved a lot. Uh, there were no retirement plan. So most of the company give you a retirement plan, thing like you can, they would give you some money in an account for your retirement. So there's no retirement plan. I found that the insurance is very costly. And um, you work a lot, and which, which was very, very frustrated, especially for me is in Quebec, not in Ontario. In Quebec, specifically, you have no no service access anymore. So what I mean is, if you want to go to the carriage center of your university, you can't. Okay, because now you're an employee, so you don't have all the student services, let's say. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is this is what I live. So if you want to go to the doctor at the university, you It's can't. out of pocket. Okay. It's out of pocket because you're not you're not a, a student anymore. Mm -hmm. You're an employee. You're an employee, but you're a trainee, so your salary is not that high. It, it's it's really yeah. It's it's really between two words worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So why, where I'm going, my question, and we have here Jason De La Toya that says uh, that I'm asking all the right and practical questions right now. Thank you, Jason, for for watching, and I'm trying to I'm trying to be a little bit tough and and testing. Um, because I feel that it's easy for, for people, especially imagine people coming from abroad to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to, it's the next logical step. I'm going to follow up with it. Actually, it's kind of, it's a little bit like the sunk investment fallacy. I've, I've put all these years into the PhD and, you know, this is the next lo logical step. Um, uh, I, I think that's what I should do. Yeah, exactly. When you understand this kind of, of, oh, of course, I have to pay for my retirement. That will happen. You, you finish your PhD, you're 30, 35. You're right. Maybe 20, let's say 27 to 35. So you, if you do five years of postdocs, it's between 35 and, I mean, and 40 around. And you start your retirement plan. And if you, and, if I'm seeing my father, for example, my mother, well, they just got retired and they, they are very tired. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, so think about it. I think about like people at, at 30 years old would like to start their lives. So they would like to have kids. Uh, they would like to have their home. I mean, uh, uh, most I, I think most of the, of the people at, at 30 uh, would like to start their life and it's it's yeah it's you can difficult. not on thirty five thousand a year unless your partner is is doing way much better but so here what what i'd love to for, for people watching or listening to to take home is is there kind of a rule of thumb uh, of deciding you know let's say your phd went really well you published really well, and I know people who who have who were kind of stellar. Uh, where um, uh, in, the, in the lab where I was, actually, uh, is the one one that I'm thinking about has been on the show. Um, 
um and now of course uh his his first name is escaping me uh, it's okay it's, it's fine but it, but stellar stellar student phd student then went and also stellar publications in the states and then one postdoc two postdocs three postdocs and he was never able to get his uh th- there's a special type of, of um, funding you get in the states that kind of is your first pi funding and then he didn't get that for i think three years after having like i said a stellar publication and and scientific work um uh, uh, trajectory and then he went he he ended up going to industry and then he he felt the huge difference of cultures and of uh, also like financial comfort etc etc and being able to start like you said living a full adult life with all its facets of like you said the housing family putting money on the side for retirement etc which he wasn't doing while he was a postdoc yeah exactly so th- there's also i think i think there's a misconception too where if you leave the university you will not learn anymore something uh uh from my experience i'm i'm in an i'm i'm an employee for four years now uh in the last four years, I learned way more than in staying four years in postdocs. Way more. Um, and I didn't learn, of course, I didn't learn something about scientific things. Like, uh, but, but yeah, I learned a lot uh, for the last four years and way more during my postdocs. Yeah. Uh, and, and, from, and from knowing you and from talking with you, you do first you work very in a very close uh connection with science and research and it's very stimulating work that you do it has to do with innovation yeah, and exactly so yeah but there is this uh this idea that oh i'm if i leave university walls i won't be intellectually stimulated anymore and it's it's a fallacy too of course because there's place for you and there's need for you outside university walls in so many, so many places. Yeah. And, and, and finally what, when I was postdoc, I just got more experience in research and I didn't learn fundamentally something. Of course, I learned some technical aspects uh, that I'm not using anymore. Uh, I'm using it sometimes because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm talking with researchers all the time. So, uh, so I, I can I can talk with them about technical aspects, but but they are better than me in in these fields, like in these skills. Uh, but yeah, I learned so much about many other things, and especially other skills that are technicals. So um, yeah, all the transferable skills. So for the people who are watching and, and are still looking for this question of how do I decide? Looking back on your in your experience, what are signals that you could have listened to uh, outside yourself or within yourself what, by the end of your PhD that might have informed you to say, you know what, I've done I've done it this far, uh, and actually, if I start now my career path wherever uh, outside, um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna gain time. Uh, what what are signals? In, in your opinion, that would inform someone to yes, go for a postdoc, versus signals that might be saying 
you know what, maybe you're going to be losing time in your like big life's big picture. So the, the first, the first is have a plan in mind. If you want to go in a postdoc, have a plan. There's, there's, we can list some reasons for, for, for doing a postdoc. So the first reason is we, we talked about it for being a professor, but you, you, Sorry, sorry for what I will say, but you don't wake up at the end of your PhD and say, "Oh, you know what? Tomorrow I would like to be a professor." So, so it's something that you built very wisely, I would say, and have something in mind. Tell you maybe at some point I will not be a professor, and that's fine. So, but build it. From the beginning of your PhD, it's like all the career path that we discuss. Sometimes build it from the beginning of your PhD, uh, networking with other professors, other universities. Um, it's 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 the same that doing informational interview with out with people outside of of of, of academia. You do informational interview with professors as well, but. I would not stick only for that to to this path because um, I mean um, there's a trend for a couple of decades I mean uh, in industry where we change jobs every two years but when if you are a professor you will stay most of the professors stay at the same university for all their their career so I, I think for being a professor. Um, why there's no professor position of a, a PhD directly? I I know one or two people who who, who got it. I know some people got a, a professor position in very small university uh, in region uh, who uh, who got a professor position after after the PhD. But honestly, I think you need one year or two years of postdocs. So. It's it's typical. Yeah, it's it's quite competitive now, right? Like you said, there's fifteen percent of us who go through PhD that have spots. It's it's more because I remember the professors from my PhD program in Portugal. They said in my time, a PhD from a good university was enough to get a position, and now it's not enough anymore. Yeah, it's not enough anymore, and your your pro, your projects, your topics should be very, very, very trendy. You should do. You should use very wisely where you will do your postdocs. And honestly, if you do a postdoc with a big name in a very big, very trendy project, I mean, they will give you a, a good, you know, a good assurance that maybe at some point you will get a professor position. How much professor um, you know at the university would did a postdoc at Harvard University, Stanford Universities. It's it's let's talk about it. Like it, it's uh, it's there are trends. Of course, the Ivy League. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the game. That's the academic game. Um, the other thing is, so have a plan in mind. That's and the plan should not start. Making the plan should not start at the end of your PhD. It should start before immigration reasons. So uh, most of the people who's doing a PhD and then a postdoc are so, 
a lot of them are immigrants. So uh, they they coming in a new country for doing their PhD. Uh, we both immigrant, uh, David and I. So uh, so um, so yes, you do a PhD, but in Canada you have to work for one year to have you to start your PR. So. Uh, so PR is not permanent residency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, permanent residency. So, um, so do one year of postdocs. Why not? Uh, it's it's immigra- immigration reasons. Or you go in another country and you do a postdoc, and it it could. Happen. Yeah, actually, moving countries can also be a reason to, depending on if you already, let's say, have a family. Maybe it's a reason to not go into a postdoc too. It could be. It could go both ways. Yeah. And 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 universities uh, in Canada and also in the US, um, so it it facilitates the process of immigration. Honestly, you can go there by this way. Now, now I, I have someone here on Twitter who is a friend of the show, Doctor Mark Reed. You you may you might yeah you might know him, who says, consider asking, uh, what do I want my postdoc to enable? For academia or certain industry roles, there are plenty of reasons for doing a postdoc. For entrepreneurs, there might be plenty of reasons against doing a postdoc. And then he also talks about imposter syndrome because he says, if doing the postdoc is the right move, it's also worth being aware that the move from one space to another, like from the PhD to a postdoc, is often the most potent trigger of the so-called imposter syndrome. It's natural, normal, and not something that should deter you from the post. Thank you, Mark, for sending that in. I think it's it goes uh, nicely with what with what God was saying. Plus, it talks about this question of changing spaces, and it is a very different existence, and you, you know this uh, better, uh, better than I because you lived it. I've read about it. Uh, the book that I was going to mention is A PhD is Not Enough by Peter J. Feibelman, and actually, what I liked in this book was that uh, the, the author suggested also that it all needs to be part. And like, it's a bit saying it's a bit saying what you said in another way. It has to be part of a strategy. If you're going for a postdoc, it should be part of a strategy. And like, like you said, like Mark says, it should be for something. There should be an objective. Also, from what I got from the book, a sign that you might go for that fifteen percent. Slither, sliver in the door uh, of maybe becoming a, profe- uh, a professor later on is, you know, how you know how did the PhD go? Did you kind of start networking in academia? Are you now, you know, is, has your work been recognized by peers? And do you feel that okay, this is my tribe? This is also another another thing to consider because if you're thinking, well, I like being in the lab. Uh, I like doing the experiments, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's reason enough to go for a postdoc. And and yeah, if you want to be a professor, it's always the same question: like, what kind of what kind of skills do you, should I should I have? And it's not only technical skills because as a professor, you're a manager, you you somebody who's uh, who's uh, dealing with money, et a networker also. Networker, uh, if if you want that. That you, you university employ you, they would like to be proud of you. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, two other reasons, two other kind of postdocs that we can talk about is industrial postdocs. That's also a, a very mysterious to a lot of people. So I, I'd be really happy for you to 
talk about it. Okay, industrial postdoc, what it is? You do your research with a collaboration with um, a company. So it's simply something like that. There's different kind of uh, setups. So uh, um, it could be a research contract uh, that a company pay your, your professor for doing some stuffs. Uh, it could be uh, in Canada, we have the well-known MyTax grants where you um, you should, I think you should, I think this is in, in, the, in the, I'm I'm not sure, but Maybe my tax people can answer it, but I think you should spend fifty percent of your time at the at the at the university, and fifty percent of your time at the at the company. So so actually, you have interaction with companies, and most of these postdocs are R and D postdocs. You do research in a in a research I mean in in a in a research project between the professors and the universities. And and the company. And so yeah. uh, let's let's stay a little a little bit uh, more on this aspect of industrial postdocs. What does a company want from from that? You know, versus just hiring people who come from a PhD. What is a company gain gaining from a uh, an industry postdoc? And then what's the what's the what's there? What is there at the end of that? Let's say year of industry postdoc for the candidate. Yeah, so so basically, the, the reasons why the company is contacting the the, the there's multiple reasons uh, in terms of, of services. So maybe the company doesn't have a very uh, expensive lab in in their own, and 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 also the the skills, technical skills to answer to their questions, and they will contact the university labs, and and there's grants for. For this kind of collaborations, there are grants. Answer um, my tax. Uh, give these grants, these kind of grants. Uh, also, the the federal government uh, have this kind of thing. There's also the the IP IP thing. So uh, so so a university can have an IP that the the company is interested in, and would like to transfer this technology. To the, the, the to the company and there is a development process into it, uh, developing the research to a product, um, and uh, there are specific grants for that. I to I grants at the NSERC. Uh, we have at Axelis some grants, and this is our this is our business for that. So they are interesting about having the IP of the university be licensed, and this is what they what they're doing. Um, other kind of reasons is relationship with the professors. So I would like to keep a relationship with the professors. So I found the professors for doing a research and the research is interesting. So I, I'm, I'm very interested to have these kind of results and know what I would like to do with these results. So without uh, having to build a full size lab in my company. Yeah. In, in the company, you know, uh, uh, I can think about it. So when when I was working at McGill, the company that we worked with, it was a panel research contract where they wanted to know something about their product that they were not able to know. So they found us. We had at McGill huge, very expensive equipment 
that I think the company, it's not, I mean, it's not uh, worth to have it in their company and it's millions of dollars equipment. So, so, and we were able to use it and understand the results. So uh, this is, this is the reasons why we had this, uh, this kind of things. So this kind of contract. So, but typically as a person who's doing this kind of postdocs, I think there's a part of negotiation there because you honestly, at the end of your postdoc, you would like to be transferred directly to the company, honestly. So uh, be very transparent with that. So I would like, and, and you can negotiate. It's it's like every job. It's it's a job with salary and a co- and job contract. So you can negotiate. So you can negotiate saying like, okay, what what's my what are my chances to to be in the company at the end of the contract? Uh, you. I think during a new interview, you should talk with the company. You should talk with your advisors. Uh, you, you, you should see what, what's the relationship between both because, uh, um, and what, what would be the plan of working? So, um, so what, what's your chance to be in the company at the end of your contract? And hopefully the end of the contract is not seven years. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. Now a, a question, actually. So you're talking about MyTax, about Axelis, etc. Do, do, does this, the, do these um, bursaries or anyway, do, do these, does this money add on to the postdoc stipend that we talked about? So are people in industry postdocs better paid than on, in non-industry postdocs? I'm not sure about it. I'm not. Sure. It, it. I. I think. I'm not sure about what I would say, but I think my tax has a has a, a cap for the 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 the, the stipends. Um, I mean, not the stipends, the salaries. What we have to to see is it's not the thing. It's not it's not the money that you will have in your pocket. I think so. Except I think if you have a Benting grant, okay, specific. This plan. is the case. Benting grant, yeah, Benting grant is very very um prestigious grants but uh yes um it doesn't count the the it's it's a salary so okay. yeah it and and from for for our uh, specific i mean I, I can be very technical and be take my hat of project managers so from our side it's not it it could be it could be negotiated there's no caps for salaries mm-hmm. in our grants okay so that's an interesting point. Plus, uh, what I think is the great value for the candidate, you know, for the young researcher, is the fact that they will be at least fifty percent of the time, like you said, in that space, able to network in that space, learn that culture, and and for sure that will open up their possibilities professionally after that industrial postdoc versus a purely academic one. Yeah, and maybe I can promote something. We just got a new program between the FRQ and Axelis. Uh, it, the name is Inventech. Uh, it's it's a program for for inventors, PhDs who would like to continue as a postdoc after the PhD for one year. So uh, so it's uh, it's not a lot of grants this year, but we hope that it will increase in the next years. Um, very interesting grants, um, and it pushes it pushes you to 
innovates. So, so if you if you're an innovator who uh, who, uh, who have an invention disclosure at the universities, and it's a good moment to have this grant, uh, I think you, you should go for it. If it's specific for Quebec people. The last things of the reasons to do postdoc is starting a company. So if you think at the end of your PhD or even during your PhD, you, you start a, a company project. Based on your research from your PhD. It could be based on the research of your PhD, but it's a, it could be like if you want to start, uh, I mean, a, a, a Naples factory, that's fine too, you know. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you can, you, you can, you can design your your kind of postdocs, and you have to be very transparent with your professors. Okay, I did this research. Uh, I would like to start a company from that. It could be a postdoc in the same lab that you did your PhD. Who cares? Because. Uh, you start a company. You would like to be an entrepreneur. I know that it's it's not it's not very great if you would like to be a professor, but if you would like to be an entrepreneur, who yeah, cares? You just want to push but the project forward. Yeah, it's push the project forward. Push, pushing the project forward for the research, I don't think it's a good idea. Pushing the pu- project forward for being an entrepreneur and starting a business from that, it's a good idea. Why it's not a good idea to push the research forward? It's just because you, we 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 all know that we work five years on a project, and this is our own, and be very cautious with that. Like, don't push too much this this thing. Your professor can propose you to do that. Don't. I, I would not do that. But you can push forward for for innovation, having a plan in mind, uh, having uh, starting a company from that. Very interesting. Um, there are some grants for that. And this, and this would involve, like, because it's innovation and entrepreneurship, it, it would probably also involve IP and uh, any, what, what are those offices called in universities? Um, yes. So uh, the industry liaison office, industry university liaison office, so yes, starting a company this in Quebec, and I know that it, in France too, and it's, and it's, uh, in some universities there's entrepreneurship postdocs uh, grants. Uh, V1 has a studio uh, in, at Concordia has one um, has some grants like that. I mean, there's there's very specific grants, but they are very few. But honestly, if you would like to start a company and being a postdoc at the same time, it's feasible. You have to be very transparent with your professor and your professor can help you with that. So starting a business, industrial postdoc, being a professor, immigration. Um, but honestly, overall, it's a huge risk to do postdocs. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. And so I feel it feels to me like that first year that there's all these reasons that, that we just mentioned but maybe you should once you start a postdoc you should start kind of a clock going to to say okay by the middle of the postdoc i need to know if yes or no i want to go for a second one what what was the decision process between the first and the second for you the first and the second for me was uh first immigration 
because I was in Ontario and I was moving. I, I did a bad choice also, but I I was I was moving to Quebec to to continue my immigration process and not having a postdoc. Uh, the 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 second reasons was in uh, it was industrial postdocs. I was I, I wanted to work in industry. Um, but I, I think, I think I didn't negotiate a l- enough to, uh, for that because, uh, I was offered after two years and uh, another year of postdocs <laughs> and being a, a professional, a research professional after this. And maybe at some point going into this company that I was working with, um, I, I was not sure to continue in this ways <laughs> so uh so finally I, I i got an offer and decided to accept the offer okay that was that's that was going to be my question you got an offer because you were you started or you kept on networking yeah i was i was uh i was aware about what's going on outside of industry uh, I, I did all this path uh, uh increasing the skills uh, the increasing the 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 number of skills, the knowledge of the skills, and also uh, network. So network a lot with different kind of people, and at some point uh, you have an offer, and somebody uh, <laughs> and somebody tells you, "Okay, I come into my company." Well, uh, <laughs> at least one thing we can say is, if you don't network, you're not going to get an offer coming coming to your mailbox or your inbox. Honestly, networking is the best thing that can happens because in even even for technology just in in a technology standpoint if you want to know something don't spend hours days to read papers just talk to someone um so i would not go in this in this thing that we that, that would be for another discussion but networking is so great no it, it is and uh, it's true that if you talk with people you know they'll cut through the fluff they'll give you just the important data uh and 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 yeah you don't have to go the brute force approach of now i'm going to put 10 papers on my you know i'm going to open 10 tabs and spend a few days here getting knowledge on this god we're we're getting to the end of this dojo uh, i think you know i i put some tough questions this is it's not an easy um question because often people make do these choices because they have a vision they have a dream um but i you know my idea is to try to put the caveats out there and i think we did um uh, of um why embarking on a postdoc or embarking on multiple postdocs what it can what risks it entails um what are good outcomes that you have seen happen maybe in your cohorts uh, at the second lab uh, or maybe with other people of people who said, you know what, I am stopping at the PhD, and now I'm I'm doing something else uh, than than research. What what are advantages of saying, you know what? Okay, the postdoc is a, is a path that exists, but there are other paths out there, and people are having fulfilling careers in these paths. Do you have anything to share on that side? Yeah, a lot. So, I. I can start with what Mark Reed said about imposter syndrome. Um, a lot of PhDs have it. Um, 
if you are well uh, supported. And I think what we offer in the, in, at the Second Lab about mentorship is it's a good reasons. Uh, it's, it's a good thing because you are mentored not by your professor, but with somebody else uh, who's working outside of academia. And being supported and not being alone with this path. And it's I think it's a good thing that move the things forward. Um, there's always a leap of faith where you have to jump into it. And it's not easy, uh, but you, you have to, to give you a kickstart for that. Um, from, from, um, from what I saw is, is in our program, we talked about all these career paths, possibilities uh, after a PhD. And I know that the student blows their mind. You know, it's just like, oh, I can do that with a PhD. What? Mm-hmm. What am I doing here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, and and for postdocs, I'm very happy when when postdocs uh, got a, a, a job. Um, we we recently had had one of of them who came in Canada. She uh, she just got a job like a few weeks ago, and I'm very I was very happy for that. Um, and and I'm sure she would be a colleague in the in another organization. Um, and uh, she uh, she she did uh, I don't remember three years, four years, five years of postdocs. And uh, that was that was the was the moment. And she she moved to country from another from one another. So uh, that was very great. Um, and yes, yes, the the, the career path. And and actually, I'm sure that at the end of the program, all the people who follow the program were just like, "Okay, finally, it's not that hard to get a job outside of academia." It's it's, uh, and and it becomes a natural path. I think it's it's there's not only the professor path. I think all these paths are equal in terms of success, and and and. And the professor path should not be only the natural path. All the paths should be natural. This is what you did a PhD because you wanted these specific skills that you learn by research, doing research, by, and and you learn by research. So, and the goal of the second lab, we talked in the beginning about a um, um, a number, which is fifty percent of students in Canada have a temporary job after five five years. And the goal is to decrease this number of five years to some months. So, of course. So, yeah. Let, let's hope so. So, yeah. So, you, you didn't go into examples, but uh, let me do that quickly. What, what I've seen and heard, uh, and there are programs also helping uh, PhDs get into these spaces, but there's government, there's policy, um, there's entrepreneurship. You can go into entrepreneurship without going to a postdoc. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, there's people who, who actually change domains in a certain way, uh, becoming, uh, I don't know, uh, scientific communicators or, or, uh, or creative, you know, scientific uh, illustrators and artists, etc. So th- there's, there's so much out there, but, but if you, if you're thinking about jobs, um, per se, um, 
there's a lot of entities out there, be they governmental, municipal, etc., who need people with the type of background and with the type of training, the type of uh, uh, skills that you bring from doing a PhD. And I think you know this is not going to decrease because um, because uh, these organizations are tackling ever more complex problems. And guess what? That's what we do is to tackle complex problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, tons of jobs. It's it's huge. I mean, we, we can do many things with a PhD mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, outside of postdocs. Outside of postdocs, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, uh, God. I think I think we this was kind of this was balanced. We showed what, where, in what context, postdoc a postdoc makes sense, a postdoc or three or four, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also um, uh, in which context it does let it it does not. Um, and uh, I I think um, this kind of does it for this this week's dojo. Unless you had some last word mm-hmm. or some last subject you wanted to cover. I think, I think we're done. No, I, I think that's fine for me. We are done. Uh, so thank you, David. It's always a pleasure to discuss with you in this kind of yeah. setup. Um, Same, here. Same here. Yeah. And uh, that that was supposed to be 30 minutes, I and guess. We are almost at an hour. hour yeah, as always. It was long. <laughs> that, was a, that was a heavy topic. It is so. heavy. It is heavy. <laughs> and it's difficult. Um it's it's just as difficult as talking about when and why to leave a PhD. It's it's tough mm-hmm. because people put their expectations, their their dreams onto these kind of archetypes of uh, you know professorship, uh, being a scientist, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, being part of academia, and then they're faced with the fact the statistics that you uh, shared, uh, be it of how many people can become professors, but also the the numbers about. Uh, you know, employment and salary if you want to stay in academia. And so I think that, that you know, that's why when you when you proposed uh, this subject, I was like, okay, this is really important. We need to talk, we need to talk about it. And uh, I, and, uh, I think I think we did. Again, if you are really considering becoming a professor, do pick up um, a PhD is not enough by, uh, so Feibelman uh, is, is the author it's a really, really good, also balanced book uh, about this issue. And uh, and yeah, I just remembered the episode that I mentioned to you about this stellar uh, grad student that had a great career track and that ended up not being able to pierce that invisible wall into professorship. It's Simon Moore. If you go to uh, Beyond the Thesis uh, on, on any platform and you look for Simon Moore, you can hear his story there. Uh, he, he was from Canada, but but then he he did after he his PhD. That whole effort to become a professor was all in the states. I have a little favor to ask of you. I'm planning improvements to the show, and getting to know you better will allow me to tailor those improvements to your preferences and to your needs. So please visit papaphd.com forward slash audience and fill in the audience survey that's there for you. Thank you for your help and for your time. 